a lot of people involved in helping people that are experiencing homelessness. Just remember, they're a human being just like you are. You know, we need to have the passion and the compassion to, to be able to reach out. You're listening to the Mental Health Download from the nonprofit Mental Health Association Oklahoma. I'm Matt Gleason. Today, we've got a special interview between Mike Bros, our CEO, and Mac Haltom, who is the new executive director of the Tulsa Day Center. So I actually got to sit in on this interview, and it was fascinating. They touch on a lot of different subjects, including some of the myths about homelessness, and they talk a lot about how important collaboration between agencies is if we're going to end homelessness here in Tulsa. So without further ado, let's get to this interview. The Mental Health Download with Mike Bros and Matt Caltum starts now. Mac, you've been in your position, I know you were interim uh, executive director uh, for a period of time, but you've been officially the executive director how long now? Uh, since March. Mike. Since March. But mm-hmm. you've been at the Tulsa Day Center for the Homeless for how many almost, years? Almost 20 years. Almost 20 years. As wow. A, mainly as associate director. Yeah. And congratulations. And I'd be Thank remit you. not to honor Sandra Lewis, your predecessor, and in her amazing work, and who just recently retired, and uh, just making note of that. But, I mean, I couldn't, you know, from the very beginning, I couldn't think of anybody better to step in and take over uh, for Sandra's great work than you, Mac. And I think I, I'm not alone in that. Uh, people across this community uh, are just thrilled that you're here, and we want to just uh, congratulate you. But also, we want to ask you some questions now that you're the guy over there. Absolutely. Uh, now it's about, you know, vision and uh-huh. things going on and what have you. Maybe just start with just some really, really basic things for our listeners about approximately how many people say a day uh, and then there's there's kind of two times day and night right they're a little different they are um, just like what's your average numbers day what's your average number night and sure uh, well first of all thank you for the congratulations I appreciate that so much uh, and uh, Sandra was kind of my mentor there learning from her so I appreciate what she she showed me over those years uh, working for her and with her at the day center. But the Tulsa Day Center, we've, uh, we, we have a day and night shelter. So during the daytime, we average around anywhere from 280 to 300 people coming in on a daily basis. Uh, they come from, they could be, these could be folks experiencing homelessness that may be camping out. They may be staying at the Salvation Army or the other uh, John 316 mission or even the county. So they come there during the daytime, mm-hmm. and they access our services that we have there during the day. We have the, we have the free clinic. We have the clothing room. And we really encourage them to, to engage with case management uh, during the daytime so, to see what we can do to help find out what their situation is and hopefully uh, get them housed. So it isn't just about, you know, people, you know, hey, here's a place to hang out. No, it has purpose. They're there. You have the case management piece comes in. Right. It's about helping people really begin taking those steps to move out of either short-term or long-term homelessness That's in, cor- in, back into the fabric of the community. That's correct. And and we partner. We, we have partners that will come to the Day Center. Uh, in fact, you guys have come to the Day Center. Uh, Mental Health Association has. Uh, Mike Thomas and, and has done assessments and housing mm-hmm. applications. Legal Aid comes to our building four days a week. Family Children's Services comes over and does assessments. 12 and 12 comes in. So mm-hmm. we, we, we encourage all those services to come to see us and that they can engage the people that are there. But yeah, we, we want to become, we, we want to be a housing focused uh, kind of shelter. So our night shelter, we like to say that we 
we house, we, we shelter probably the most vulnerable uh, adults, uh, men 55 years and older primarily and single women. Uh, we do have men under 55 years old that may be experiencing severe mental illness that has to be working with a case manager. They can't, they can't stay in like a regular type shelter and they have a little bit more freedom in our shelter than others. And so, and it, so in the evening time, we average anywhere from 115 to 120 at night. And mainly it's probably half female and half, half male. It, it used to be very heavily uh, male population. It was usually about 70, it used to be 70% male, 30% women, but now it's, it's pretty much 50-50 now. Which is really interesting to see, you know, the, obviously that points to there's been a growth of, as you say, it isn't just about homeless single men. Right. It's homeless men and women. And and these people aren't isolated. They're, they're people, they have families. They've grown mm-hmm. up in the community or state. They've, right. They're our neighbors. We went to school with them. Yeah. Uh, I think sometimes people, and we'll get to that more about, about the, uh, one of the right. big myths out there. Sure. Uh, but I, I know that, and you guys do amazing work there. So maybe, Mac, take a little bit of time, just very briefly. You guys are uh, either in a capital campaign to do some renovations or have just completed a capital campaign. And uh, where are you guys at with that? Mac? Well, we, we completed our capital campaign. We, we, went, uh, we, made our, we made our goal last, in fact, it's just been last week. And well, so, congratulations. Next, thank you very much. That was a $16 million uh, capital campaign. Wow! Uh, Impressive. Eight, eight and a half, nine of it will be we will will be uh, renovating the current building. Mm-hmm. We have and also adding on some office space too, and so it's it's an amazing uh, it's it was an amazing time for us to to, to come up with that with that kind of resources and really it was a short term. It was it was a little more than a year that we came up with that, which tells me and tells others I think the importance of what we do at the day center. There's no doubt in the appreciation of what you do. I think it signals yeah. that people that are in the know make a lot of those larger gifts in right. particular, uh, and they know so they know the value of the. Uh, the Tulsa Day Center for the Homeless, the impact that you guys make. And right. so uh, it really speaks to that, Mac. Uh, by the way, Mike, I was going to let you know we, we've changed our name. We're just now called the Tulsa Day Center. The Tulsa I, I, I have not I have, known I have, that. I have t- This was just something that was done in our board meeting last week. Wow. And uh, we felt like we, – so we took off for the homeless uh, simply for sometimes stigma – Right. Uh, we don't want to identify people that are you're homeless, but you're experiencing that, right? Right. Now. So it's, hopefully it's a short term kind of thing. So we just we're just now called the Tulsa Day Center. Well, I like that. So and you guys have some real yeah, thought behind that. We did. There's a real meaning, <laughs> purpose behind that change. There has. We, we we went back and forth on name changes and whatever. We just we felt like the community knew us as the Day Center, and so we're we're t- we're just now technically called the the, the Tulsa Day Center. And uh, we've changed the mission statement. We have a vision statement now, and so things are moving along uh, well for us. And as we as we move in, as we go through the construction process, by the way, we will be our groundbreaking is um, uh, next Tuesday, June fourth at ten a.m., and uh, we'll begin hopefully the actual renovation probably mid July, uh, last of July. It looks like bids are out for that now, and so my goal is to see is get through that, of course. Uh, but also looking at our programming about how we can be a little bit more uh, on the cutting edge of, of dealing with people that are experiencing homelessness and preventing homelessness as well. Uh, I forgot to tell you a minute ago that we have been doing the rapid rehousing program now for the last four or five years. Right. And so that means that came from uh, this rapid rehousing means you have to be literally homeless, but you don't have to be necessarily in a homeless shelter. You can be referred otherwise. And we have a great eviction prevention resources as well to keep people in housing. 
And so we worked through the coordination center through 211 and uh, now getting those referrals through 211. And I have a team of people doing rapid rehousing and uh, uh, financial assistance. So that's during the daytime. Yeah. And that's a big deal because I think sometimes, you know, we get focused in on, you know, uh, people in the state community. They focus in on people that are clearly more we would use the term chronically homeless, right. but which is very important for us to do that. But but there's also a huge emphasis uh, right out of the Tulsa Day Center mm-hmm. uh, to uh, do things that prevent yeah. people becoming embedded and ingrained into day after day, night after night homelessness. Yes. And that's what you're talking about there, the rapid rehousing. Right. Um, again, it's amazing uh, how many things can cause people, anybody, literally anybody to lose their housing yes Uh, it's not much sometimes and sometimes a little bit can get people back on track get them back into housing uh and get them stabilized so they don't have to become oh well yeah take a seat over there and uh we'll work get to it as quick as we can yeah so we rapid rehousing means what it means if if everything if, if everything falls into place for the individual or family uh, gosh, we've got people in housing within the first week of them being homeless, sometimes yeah. in the first two or three days. Right. And so it's, a, it, it's an amazing thing. Oftentimes, it, that, that, that's that's an unusual thing. We can get them in, in the next day or two. But for the most part, we can get them in. If everything falls into place, we can usually get people out of their homelessness into housing with you know in a very short time, short period of time. And that's what we want to do. Right. And, you know, I've seen over the years, I've seen you guys kind of transition. I think all of us have transitioned from – Shelter being kind of the ultimate to sheltering someone is a, hopefully, what do we say, uh, uh, infrequent, temporary. Yeah. Uh, rare, brief, and non-recurring. Is that, is that, is that, is that the popular thing? Yeah. There you go. Uh, that, that's really our goal is for it to be uh, rare, brief, and mm-hmm. non-recurring. And so people are transitioned out of not having a place to live uh, to getting back into stabilized housing. And it's emergency shelter. It's not long-term shelter. And I think that's been a, yeah. a, not just here locally, but I think that's been a change all over the country over yes. the last, what, 10, 15, 20 years maybe, mm-hmm. where we've said, hey, it's about housing. Yes. Uh, but what do you do in the meantime? And you have to figure out, and shelter is a really critical piece of right. that. Right. And. Um, and, you know, the, the shelters, not only you guys, the Day Center, John 316, Tulsa County Social Services do amazing work as a shelter. And, of course, uh, uh, DVIS has their right. own shelter. Um, very, very important. But I think the goal is uh, to get people out of that into back into, I call yeah. it the fabric of the community. Ab- absolutely. And I think, it, I think data shows that that's the, that's the best way of doing it, uh, yeah. is to get people into housing, you know, Get them out of homelessness as quickly as possible. There's a lot of trauma in, in, uh, that can happen to folks that are, that are experiencing homelessness, and let alone a kid, you know, a child, and, and how, how that affects them, and, and if it's long-term, how, how much trauma is involved in, in something like that. So we, we want to get people housed, and we want to keep them housed. Yeah, I often I'll, I'll say to people, like, imagine tonight mm-hmm. you, you don't have any family to stay with, you've lost your housing, you're either faced with sleeping in your car or the day you're going to have to go down there to a shelter, Mm -hmm. could be Tulsa Day Center or one of the others, and how traumatic that can be Mm -hmm. for someone who's been living in their own abode. Uh, And 
And take, take a minute and talk about the whole, uh, how important housing is as a platform for everything else about sustain, self-sustainability. Oh, absolutely. Well, uh, I think, and we're, uh, we also have, uh, just like you are, you have uh, quite a few, quite a few more apartments than we do, but we're, we're in the housing business as well with Hudson Villas. We have 60 apartments there, 18 of them are dedicated for supportive housing. And we also have two scattered sites for permanent supportive housing. But over the years that that's been open, we, we have seen the difference that a roof overhead for someone that's been experiencing chronic, uh, maybe chronic homelessness or just short term about how much healthier they are once they get, they, they get in. Uh, I can remember a woman when we first built Hudson Villas, which is about five years ago now, uh, she was one of the first ones we moved in, and uh, she was so unhealthy. Just, just looked, just for the better word, she just didn't look good. She looked unhealthy, and so once she got moved into housing and got settled, uh, our team there at the Hudson Villas was able to get her connected with with health services and mental health services, and within a short time, probably less than three or four months, I looked at her and she was thriving. Once again, just having that. Uh, a place to be. Uh, I, I can't even imagine what it would be like uh, for me uh, to be homeless and try to try to get to keep organized, to keep stuff together, and uh, have just a very few belongings or whatever. But, but it's so important for us to to remember how important it is to have a home base. Uh, you know, you can lock your door at night, you can uh, fix your own meal, but it's your own place and it's a it's a safety net. Uh, and we forget about that. How important uh, we? I think I take for granted. I don't know if you do, but I take for granted my home. Uh, oftentimes, and uh, I, I think about uh, about folks that that don't have that. But it's I think it's so I think we've and I think data shows that too. I, I don't think it's just me and you talking about emotional experiences for the, some of these people, but data shows that people are so much healthier and uh, more thriving. They're more engaged in the community. Uh, they're 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 just. Uh, uh, healthier people. I, I've always told the story repeatedly where we I've known people who were on the street, they got into our housing and it may be a period of time, I haven't seen them in quite a while, mm-hmm. and I've actually run into them and did not recognize yeah. them because they look so much better, uh, so much healthier, and thinking back, wow, uh, and and again, that, and also, Mac, talk just briefly about the research showing, and I think, I, I, I would imagine a lot of our listeners today's podcast don't realize how expensive it is to leave people mm-hmm. on the streets and homeless versus actually getting them into housing. Talk about that just a little bit. Yeah, I, I don't know the exact amount, uh, but but I do know that uh, it, it it is very expensive. It's more it's more costly for people to stay in a shelter long term than it would be to turn around and get them housed. I um, I know that it's it's just much uh, it, for one thing. Uh, more than likely, if someone is homeless, experiencing homelessness, that may be staying in a shelter, the likelihood of them having to go to the hospital through IMSA, what that costs, even staying two or three nights in a hospital, or they may have a, uh, they may have gotten in trouble, they have a warrant, they have to go to jail, and, then, and you see that you see that uh, revolving door. Oftentimes, that happens to our folks that get them caught up into into where uh, they they just can't get out of the can't get out of it out of the muck. Uh, until someone really engages him and works with him to, to do that. But uh, the uh, one of the one of the things that we do at the day center that we have data on now, and I get that to you later if you like. But our clinic, one of the things we try to do is to is to di- we want to divert IMSA calls. 
So our staff is there, our clinic staff's there, and someone is requesting 911, our, our clinic, our, we have a nurse practitioner on board there and, and some RNs. Uh, they will assess the situation before EMS is really called. And we've, we've averted um, hundreds of, of EMSA calls and hospital calls, yeah. which saves the community. Yeah. And then, but as far as housing is concerned as well, um, I, I really don't know the data on the top of my head, but I know it's much cheaper getting people in housing. Right. For the community and right. for the person themselves. Right. A couple of myths that I hear, Mac, are you know, the two big ones that I hear the most are, one is that, these people want to be homeless, that they that they thrive and enjoy the quote-unquote freedom of homelessness. I, I hear that one. The other one I hear is, oh, I guess you know that these other cities around actually pay people and bust them to Tulsa because of our great services and pay their way and say, hey, uh, we'll buy you a bus ticket to Tulsa. They have great services there. And so that's one of the reasons why we have the numbers of homeless we have. And one, I guess I am asking is, you know, are those myths? Um, and if they are, uh, talk about those just a little bit. Well, I believe they're both definitely myths. I th- well, for the second one, you talked about people busing other people in. Uh, we do, uh, as you're well aware of, we do a point in time count. And one of the questions we ask them is, where were you before you became homeless? Uh, and that data shows year in and year out, since I've been doing them, that uh, the vast majority of people are from Tulsa and, and or the surrounding area of Tulsa and, uh, and, and Oklahoma right. uh, as, as well. Uh, very few are from out of state. Yeah. There's a few. And I'm not saying it doesn't happen. It might happen. I, I don't know, but do but, they, but it's they, not like a caravan of people do, do coming cities, down. Do cities, if we have any evidence that cities have actually paid people's way and put them on a bus and said, you need to get to Tulsa, Oklahoma? Yeah, not that I'm aware of. No yeah. evidence at all on that. So yeah, I, I've never, I, I've had a standing yeah. challenge for at least 10 years, at least a I decade, remember. that, you know, if you can, and I've heard, I've heard, I've heard, Law enforcement, quote that. I've heard business, downtown business, really smart people, quote right. that. And I have always been quick to challenge them and say, hey, if you can find somebody, right. you have a standing, and I will personally call that city, get me the name, I'll call that city, and I'll go take that up with them in earnest. And no one has ever in the last, yeah. at least 10 years, I've right. had that challenge out there, no one's ever taken me up yeah. on that. And I'll go with you. I'll be and you'll be, I'll, I know, I'll, you'll I'll be go right with, with you. With I'd like to see what's going on with that. The first, the first part about uh, people want to be homeless, I just don't, I can't believe that. Uh, our good friend Jim Lyle from Community Service Council retired a while back. He always said, if you like, being homeless, just come and stay a few nights in the shelter and see how you really like that. Yeah. Though we try to make it as best we can for people, it's a very difficult yeah. lifestyle. Yeah, It is a difficult lifestyle to, to, to live. I, I see people just struggle. And uh, and uh, sometimes, they, and, and, I, and I'm not saying people can't get into a rut, you know, and kind of get into the motions of saying, yeah, this is just the way I am, this is the way it is. Uh, but that's what we're there for—to try to push them out of that rut, to get, to give them new life, to be able to say, "Hey, you got a purpose. You've got, uh, you've got resources. We've got resources to help you get out of this, and and let's 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 do it." Yeah, um, you know, the, all the research around hope, give them hope. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think people, they you know, getting into a rut. I think when they begin to be hopeless, that there's no, I'll, I'll never get out of this. Right. Then you start to see that. But when they're hopeful, and we yeah. can instill and really give them really great yeah. hope, then they begin. 
begin to really have a chance to really Absolutely. move out of that and uh, and out of chronic homelessness into uh, the stability of housing yeah. and, and employment opportunities. There's happens. nothing like seeing an individual. I, I was a case manager. I still am a case manager at heart, and I still deal with people. I gave a guy two tokens today you know, mm. to get somewhere. and. And so, but it, it always amazes me the look on their face when we can say, "Yeah, we can, we can help you with that. Yeah. We can get you a birth certificate. We can get you a an Oklahoma ID. We can give you some dust tokens to get to work." And they they perk up, you know. Or, or we can, let's let's look at your housing situation. Let's take, you know, well, you know, I I go I have a criminal background. Well, let's let's just go and do the application anyhow and see what happens, and we'll go from there. Let's see if we can over. And so you instill that hope. Uh, in in the in the people that the, that they don't have to be where they're at, and uh, I've seen it time and again where uh, those that are experiencing chronic homelessness and those just short term, uh, just the amazement of, of how they the smiles they have. We have hundreds of pictures on our Facebook page of people moving out, and it's just uh, it's just the um, uh, coolest thing seeing those smiles and knowing that that they've got a, they got a fresh start. Yeah. I want to go back to something you mentioned earlier about mm-hmm. the collaboration okay. that the Tulsa Day Center, the Mental Health Association of Oklahoma, uh, Salvation Army, whoever it is, that we can't really, no one entity can do this alone. And the recognition of it, I'm not mm-hmm. sure now I lose track of time a little bit, but oh, <laughs> eight years or so ago, we, um, maybe 10 now, I'm not sure, but uh, the um, you know, um, a way home for Tulsa. Right. And talk a little bit about the way home for Tulsa and the role that uh, Tulsa Day Center plays as well as in collaboration with the other partners. Yeah. Well, you're right. We can't, one agency can't do this. Uh, in fact, we're finding out the Homeless Services Network as a whole, which is basically those away home for Tulsa partners, you, us, uh, Salvation Army, John 316. A number of other agencies that are out there, family and children services, uh, that are part of the part of it. We, we are now, I think we're, we're realizing we can't do that just as a continuum or as a, for a way home for Tulsa. We need the community. We need business leaders. We need government leaders. We need other people for us to, to work hand in hand together uh, on solving this problem. Uh, I believe, I'm kind of, uh, I guess I'm kind of like you, I believe that we can end homelessness. I think we can. I think we can make it short, brief. I mean, what I mean by, by homelessness, I guess, the people are going to experience that. But let's make it very short and brief and, and non-recurring, hopefully, as, as we said earlier. But it takes us as a partnership for all of us to do that. But the continuum, you know, I've been a part of, I've, like you said, about 10 years ago probably, is when it really took off uh, regarding partnering together. I think we all were kind of selfish with our own little uh, Silo, I guess, is a better way of saying it. We like we like to hang on to what we have, but knowing that what we were seeing was clients or folks that were experiencing homelessness uh, not getting any better. There wasn't any direction for them to go to. They would go from silo to silo or agency to agency and get what they could get, and and basically um, uh, there wasn't any solution for that individual or individuals. So coming together, it's you know, it was hard fought. We had to give up some things, and uh, we had to give up the idea that that I just wasn't the only you know, I wasn't the only one person in town here helping and start seeing what we did for each other and how we could help. And we, you know, gosh, um, I think collaboration is definitely the key. And uh, 
as I said earlier, it's going to take more than just us. And now we're seeing that with our big strategic plan, our community strategic plan that just started what, in January. Right. Uh, um, yeah, and just really kind of stepping back and looking at that. Right. And uh, we've got, uh, you know, um, uh, thanks to one of our local philanthropists, we've got some good outside consultation with that process. Right. And, uh, you know, and that's always a really good thing. And uh, I was at a meeting today, so much momentum. I heard about got. that. Yeah. You know, we've got some momentum going to to really look at ourselves, you know, where have we been the last, you know, yeah, we've had some successes, but we can do this better. Yeah, yeah. We all can. You can do things better. I can do things better. And I love what your your uh, your coworker, Mark Davis, said this 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 afternoon in a meeting he was at that, you know, we, we have to look internally. You guys are looking internally. My goal at the Day Center is to how we are doing things internally. How can we do things better? And I think just like folks that are experiencing homeless, they can fall in a rut. I think agencies can too. Yeah. And we become a barrier yeah. instead of a Yeah. And so collaborating, when you tell me as we meet together, Matt, can you uh look at maybe doing this a little different and I can say, you know what, I'll take a look at that. And same with you. Absolutely. How can we do how can we let's think outside the box right. a little bit. And those boxes change. <laughs> well, well, <laughs> you let, know? Me, let me Drag out one of those old boxes. Okay, okay. yeah. All right. So when uh, Away Home for Tulsa kind of first started getting started, one of the very first things I remember we took up was, and you know, it, you know, com- complete honesty and transparency to our listeners. Yeah. Um, some of these people at times, because of untreated mental illness, substance abuse, um, you know, histories of severe trauma, feeling like um, a pervasive sense that nobody can help me. Uh, I've been out here a long time, and, and why? how come I can't seem to get the help that I need mm-hmm. and all that. And people sometimes are not always, all of them are just completely grateful or easy to work with. <laughs> and sometimes they, from time to time, there is a disruption mm-hmm. that's caused. And then, so this whole issue of sometimes we do have to ask people to leave our programs. Yes. We, the Mental Health Association of Oklahoma, and our housing, we try to do everything we can to prevent that. Sometimes we don't have an option. Right. Uh, and sometimes you guys have to ask people to leave. You don't have an option. Uh, we, we started tackling it the way on for Tulsa. is like people are banned versus suspended. Right. Uh, right. Talk about where is that process now for Tulsa Day Center and the other shelters here? Well, after, you know, we'll talk about that a few years back, like you're talking about the suspensions. I think we call them barred instead of banned. Yeah, we used but to call them barred. They were barred. Mm-hmm. And so we changed, we changed the terminology suspended because, uh, and what came out of that was, uh, and I was part of, uh, of going through that with the other shelters, leadership of other shelters, we came up with a community suspension review. Mm-hmm. And so the, the person that's been suspended for one reason or another uh, is able to, to access those any shelters. I think they're even online if you want to, if you want to do that as well. But the, it's a one-page uh, suspension review, and uh, perhaps another agency can help this individual fill it out. You know, and, uh, and then that suspension review can, can come before whatever shelter it, they've been, they've been uh, suspended from. And so I think all of us, all the shelters, we um, uh, have our own staff meetings and we go over those. We do it at the day center once a week, one Monday afternoons. I look at the suspension reviews. I uh, uh, look up the incident. We have a log. We keep all this stuff in and kind of see what it is. If the person is, uh, maybe it was a mental health, uh, uh, maybe they, they, they uh, acted out because of untreated mental illness. 
And all of a sudden, oh gosh, this guy's been in TCBA or been in hospital for seven, eight days. They're stable now. They're working with their out. They're working for the outpatient person uh, facility now. They're taking their meds. Okay, well let's take a look at this. This case manager worked with them. So yeah, let's let them back in. You know, suspension or the barring the suspension is over, and let them back in. We may put them on probation for a little while, but See, that's how, that's how we do it. Right. That's kind of how we do it. Now, unfortunately, uh, one of the things we're seeing an increase of, and I'm really wrestling with this, Mike, uh, is is people acting out very violently. I mean, just picking up chairs and throwing them to, and that that puts staff in in dangerous way, not just other not just other uh, guests. We have the day center as well. And so the violent defenses, we, we just really have to take a real hard look at. And so it really depends on the situation what that is. But uh, uh, I think my vision for the, for the day center once we get our new building renovated is I'm looking at a different way of maybe uh, having different staff maybe trained a little better on de-escalating, have them more out on the floor with the clients. So I'm looking, I'm looking to see how we can make that a calmer uh, a calmer place. Uh-huh. I'm looking at the acoustics of the building. We're looking mm-hmm. at doing, uh, looking at putting music in. Mm-hmm. Some, you know, yeah. just uh, it's, it was amazing. We had a wind section from um, uh, uh, here in Tulsa through the I can't think, the symphony. Uh-huh. We had we had a wind section one one day, and then we had a brass section. They mm-hmm. came in. They just sat in the middle of the floor, right. started playing, and uh, oh my gosh, that building just totally. Wow! Just calm down. Wow! And that spoke to me. That that gosh, you know, if I get if I can get some music in here just to calm people down. But I think it's it's more of an engaging that we need to do as as staff members to if we see something kind of escalating over. Let's us trained people need to go over and say, hey, you know, let's let's take a look at this. Let's not get you know, if you need to leave for 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 a little while and leave, step out. We can do that. Yeah. Without bringing armed security in, I just you know sometimes I, sometimes we have to do that. Right. But I'm hoping I can make it a a friendlier, a peace more peaceful place. I think that's a goal of mine to see. Yeah. But what I hear in that is that uh, yeah, the individuals these things happen, but right. how we as uh, professional staff volunteer staff right. how we interact with those situations yeah. can either potentially escalate them right. or ignore them or de-escalate right. them and where we can hopefully get a better outcome absolutely uh, in a more in a, in a higher frequency absolutely and and it's and other shelters we meet monthly the shelters uh, staff meet on a monthly basis uh, their case managers and our case managers and the others we, we get together once a month we have during a lunch and we discuss these things and if these, these suspensions and and talk about individuals that uh, that are maybe in trouble with one shelter or the other and say hey yeah we can we can bring this person in for a little while while their suspension is going on over here and so we collaborate back and forth on on that as well so we're, we all use the same review is my point and we can we can take a look at it that yeah. way take a few minutes you've mentioned some things that you're kind of your vision now that you're uh, um, you know in this position now mm-hmm. where you can you know be the chief executive and mm-hmm. uh, really of course a part of that is visioning and uh, you know here's where we want to go and try to sell that to staff and board right. and all those the community all those things Absolutely. But talk about some of your ideas a few of them that are out there that you're carrying around in your heart and soul that you hope to see during your tenure yeah. um, to see come to life or have opportunity to come to life. Well, as I kind of already mentioned earlier, once we get, you know, we were designing the building, I think, a little better for acoustics and lighting and, 
and sound and all that sort of for, sort of thing. But but listening to my staff regarding the that was 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 key. Uh, one of the things, as I said earlier too, I'm hoping I'm I'm kind of putting my case managers uh, in a different position in the building to where, but I want to have folks that are, for the better, for much of a better word, kind of a service navigators out on the floor engaging people, may even have a kiosk at the front where they can, people can, uh-huh. can, can check in at the front and, and we can just have a little bit more of a, of a flow of people coming through and see what their needs are. Because we're still going to be getting people not just that are experiencing homelessness, but those that may be facing eviction, other health needs, they may come in, they may have to access our clinic because they can't afford to go to their, their doctor. So we'll have community people coming in and out as well. So uh, I'm hoping that um, uh, we'll be able to be able to have people kind of flow in and get the services a little quicker, uh, not having to wait and just sit around, but to, to really engage them and maybe do intakes at the table with a, with a service navigator and to, and to look at uh, getting they, – they may not even need to see a case manager. They don't need to be waiting around for an hour to see a case manager. We can – that service navigator, I envision – can take care of it at that point in time. Yeah. And diversion is another thing I'm looking at. I've, I've built, I, I made it intentional to have two rooms kind of in the middle of the building to where someone that may be facing a, a crisis, maybe, maybe it's a domestic crisis, where that person or persons can go into this one office and I can have someone hopefully trained to be able to come in and try to de-escalate the situation, see what the problem is. And they may, they may simply need to get a bus ticket to go to Oklahoma City to get out of their situation. And if we can verify that, we'll, we'll take care of that. Yeah. To divert them out of the shelter. They don't need to come to the shelter. They have a place to go. Right. Uh, to, to be able to do that. Or uh, it could be just simply a, a mental health crisis that uh, we can have a room where our mental health case managers can assess the situation. We need to call the COPES team in or, or whatever at that time. We can, we can do that. So I, I want to be more crisis ready you know not just let someone sit and stew but to, to be able to engage them at a at a, uh, at a quicker time and, and hopefully help them yeah and i know i had a recent experience i went into my mobile phone provider and probably you and, and myself and the, the listeners here uh to go in and get a you know have to deal with a mobile home provider on a problem you're having what have you and this particular mobile home provider they had a person standing at the door, uh-huh. and when I walked in, they asked me, "What? What? Why are you here? Can we help you?" And I explained to them my problem, right. and they and they have their little thing out, and they sent it in to uh, somebody over right. at the desk, and it was really something. I still had to wait. But there was something about waiting that they already had my – I felt so much better. They knew your problem. And I was yeah. much more patient. Yeah. I wasn't pacing around. I, I was looking around, but I wasn't they, – they're, they're going to – somebody's going to help me here soon. Yeah. And I don't have to wave or get their attention. I'm in order. They're going to come up. I thought that it's – what you're talking about is kind of along those yeah. lines. It's good customer service. It's good customer service. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and I think I think we get – we forget, or I forget sometimes, and I have to remind my staff is that – uh, these are our customers. They're just not, you know. You have to be passionate about these people it, and it, yeah. and and overlook some things. You yeah. know, uh, maybe overlook that they haven't taken a bath in three or four days or a shower. You know, you have to kind of, you know, or they haven't shaven or whatever. You know, whatever the situation is, uh, we try to take care of that. Of course, we right. want we want to encourage those kind of kind of things. But uh, sometimes we can be very judgmental, and I just I try not. What's one thing? I don't think the day center has ever been judgmental, but sometimes staff get off on that, or they 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 go that direction. We and, struggle know, with it. We too, struggle Matt. with it, you we know. Yeah, it. and so I want our people to be uh, good customer 
uh, service people and representatives of the day center. Right. And we do have some good people. You know, yeah. there's, you know, I'm looking at a lot of a lot of different things that we do there. Uh, the thing about our renovation, Mike, I'm, you may not know this, but uh, we're going to stay open during renovation. Yeah. And so that's going to be a challenge. We just went through uh, it. Yeah. And so yeah, you did. And so uh, on. So it's going to probably take twice as long as what it normally would if we decided to. You know, we can't close, right? We can't close. Yeah, there's it's, no way it's like, close. It's like last week during the tornado uh, events and the flooding events that we're still experiencing. Uh, I was getting calls from agencies saying, hey, we're closing down and we're going to have to bring your people over there. Blah, blah. I said, come on over. We're still open. <laughs> we never close. <coughs> Pardon me. And we don't intend to during renovation. So that's going to be, that's going to be a different challenge for me. For sure, and well, well, that's certainly a testimony to the mission yeah. uh, of Tulsa Day Center. I'll just take a few minutes, Mac. I just want to ask you about: there are always individuals in the community who, uh, for various reasons, choose not to stay in any of the shelters. Yeah. We've talked about already; people have been right. suspended, but there's people that just, for different reasons, um, what are we? And those individuals, uh, many times, are involved in encampments right. or sleeping under bridges or finding nooks and crannies uh, here and there, what have you. Um, and they choose, they stay out even on the coldest nights. Yes, We've had people freeze to death, yeah. but, but people do that just about every night. I've finally come to uh, understand and realize that uh, much better than I used to. But, and what do, we, what, do, what do we do? What are we doing to address that? Well, I know that there's been more effective outreach uh, through you know through you guys mental health association and I think other agencies I, I dedicate a case manager at least once a month to go out on an outreach team so we're, we're, we're out there amongst them and, and trying to engage the services and I I think there's been some success with housing people right off the streets and and encampments it's probably not a great number but it's it's some right and so I to tell you the truth Mike it's a, it's a hard subject it really is uh, just recently I, they had almost uh, bribe people to get off the levees that were camping out, you know, during this flooding time and putting themselves in a dangerous situation. I've talked to a lot of campers over the years and a lot of reasons why they don't come in, uh, lack of freedom, you know, that it's, it's usually one of three things. It's either pets, uh, possessions, or, or the policy of the shelters, mm -hmm. you know, okay. and that keeps them out sometimes right. uh, and things. I think we need to address, I'm trying to address some of those, those, those problems. Uh, but they're all over, they seem to be just all over the city and county. And the outreach, I know, they go all over the county and the city outreaching these people. And uh, uh, the solution is, I've always thought, was try to work with them, getting them into the shelter. Mm -hmm. Well, that doesn't, that's not working for some of them, maybe most of them, that, that's just going to camp out. So uh, I've, taken some, I've taken a look at, uh, this, it's not a very popular thing. And I've been against it for a long time. Is is looking at maybe uh, a place, uh, a sanctioned place for these people to stay, to camp. I don't know. Like a designated camp. Yeah, uh, more of a and, sanctioned or certified cam uh, camping area um, where yeah. you know mm -hmm. uh, where people could, if they're not going to come in the shelter, at least there's a space where they can be reasonably safe right. in a tent. I mean, that's what some cities have yeah. done, right? It's a yeah, I've looked at the, the only city that I've seen that's actively kind of doing I've just kind of still started to research this a little bit. 
the, the time I've had is Seattle. Mm-hmm. Seattle looks like they've been doing sanctioned camps for a while. They've had more than one, mm-hmm. it looks like. I'm not sure how they all work yet or not. But their goal is not to keep them open all the time. Right. They, they, I think it's six months. They, they get them licensed somehow through the city, apparently. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, it's, they, they don't, they're short-term licenses. And I, apparently there's social services on site helping people to, to, to manage or to navigate the housing. Uh, as well, but that's kind of I've just kind of touched on that. But but our shelters are full, right? And they continue to be full. Um, I don't think there's a big push in Tulsa to build new shelters. I don't know where I, we. I don't I, hear that. I don't know where we put it anyhow. Right. Um, and uh, to you know to but our shelters are staying full. Uh, we've done a great job the last four or five years on housing folks that are experiencing chronic homelessness and veterans through, you know, the Built for Zero program and uh, collaborating through that. Uh, but we're, we're still got a big push of those experiencing short-term homelessness and families. We're seeing that. And those guys that are camping out, those men and women that are camping out. So I don't know if that's a solution or not. I think it's something we can at least, I think we should look at. Yeah. And, or, or look at other options that may be out there that we're missing. Right. Tiny homes. The tiny home thing. Uh, yeah. Right. That's right. another idea associated with some right. of these ideas. Right. Yeah. yeah. But but it doesn't look like we're decreasing in homelessness. I don't know what our one-night count looks like. I think, I think we're going to see an increase from it. And I think we're going to see a lot of increase of those that are camping out. Right. Listen, as we kind of wrap up here, Mac, I would I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about a program that um, we're going to really actively collaborate together yes. on our two organizations <clears throat> called Adopt a Home. Yep. Um, and um, talk to the listeners a little bit about how Adopt a Home works and um, and how uh, people listening to this podcast can get involved and uh, be supportive of helping somebody obtain housing who might not otherwise be able to. Absolutely. Of course, uh, as we've been discussing, there, there are a lot of, there's, there's some folks that are experiencing homelessness that uh, just need a place to start, right? They, right? they may not, they don't, they, they, they fall in between that person that, are, that may qualify for being chronically homeless or, and those that aren't. Uh, and all they really need is a, is a start somewhere. And so, adopt a home is. Uh, uh, I think we're gonna. We will be opening some, an apartment or two up for this, and I know you guys have done this as well. Uh, where for around for five thousand for five thousand dollars, we are able to to put that person immediately into housing in, in a very short time, and also not just put them in housing, but keeping them there for at least six months, but also put a support team around them, right. a case manager to work right. on uh, income. Uh, they may be disabled. Maybe they need some help getting an attorney and working through that. They may be trainable. They might be able to go to a job training place uh, and get them involved in that, uh, but also just really uh, highly case managing them. Uh, they they uh, uh, may be able to find work and be become be the goal is to, for them to be sustainable at the end, whether it be uh, with a disability or whatever. Maybe maybe they maybe they do qualify for. Uh, uh, a Section 8 voucher. So we can go ahead and get that application filled out. And hopefully during that six-month time, uh, they'll receive a voucher and they can move on or use it at that apartment they're at. So I'm excited about working with you on that. I really am to see how this works. I know you've had a couple of 
uh, two or three? I think we're up to four now. At the four now? Uh, yeah, we're starting slow. but right. uh, And we uh, need to see how this works. How it works, yeah. learn the ins and the outs, what have you. I think that um, also the program uh, gives um, not only individuals, I mean, $5,000. Listeners are probably thinking $5,000. Wow. <laughs> but if you take, a say, a Sunday school class yeah. or a civic group or uh, a neighborhood group or a, uh, some type of a club and everybody pitches in, suddenly yeah. you start you start dividing that 5000 by a certain number. Suddenly it becomes affordable for a lot more people to feel like, hey, I'm not just worried about homelessness. I'm not just concerned about homelessness. Um, I'm actually contributing and helping somebody get out. And with the program, um, people can, if they choose to, they don't have to, but if they'd like to, we can introduce them to the individuals and they have an opportunity, maybe have an opportunity to build a relationship. I like that. And so it's not just adopting a home. It's also in a way, I wouldn't say adopting a person, but it's supporting a person. Absolutely. And uh, really uh, allowing someone to kind of get on their feet. And, uh, and it's a, we're excited. Uh, we're seeing early success. So we oh. have a long ways to go, but we love it that yeah. the Tulsa Day Center is in partnership with Absolutely. us. We've got uh, our board members, uh, uh, respective and staffs, uh, are very excited about it, yeah. and this is a great partnership with and you I, guys, Matt. And I think one of the things, if if that group, organization, church decides to say, yeah, I want to know this person, what a way of uh, reintegrating them back into, into our community. Right. They have someone they can they they, they begin a support system, right. and uh, maybe through a church or an organization or whatever. But but what an opportunity for them to to reconnect with our community because that, that's part of the one of the things that we're looking at too is in our housing is is that reconnection back into the community and this is a great way to start right. through this program right. I think. So as we finish up, Mac, one last thing: is there anything that you would like to <clears throat> say to our listeners? Um, on the of the podcast, uh, mental health download uh, uh, that you find. Man, I got a forum here, uh, and I uh, got a microphone, and uh, you know what? You know, is there something that you would like to communicate to listeners out there who may know a lot about this topic, or they mm-hmm. may not know that much? Well, I can't think of anything off the top of my head other than um, uh, that there are a lot of there are a lot of good people working this problem. We have, a, as you mentioned earlier, there's a lot of people involved in helping people that are experiencing homelessness. Just remember, they're a human being just like you are. You know, we need to have the passion and the compassion to, to be able to reach out and to say, hey, how you doing? I know oftentimes eye contact is, is one of those things that we, that, that uh, to just be able to say to a person, hey, how you doing? And uh, whatever they're experiencing, learn their name. Learn their name. Learn absolutely, their name and say hello to them on the street. If yeah. people work downtown or in the businesses, they come across people yeah. homeless. Is trying to figure out a way to yeah. find out what their name, and then when they see them, yeah. uh, call them by name. What 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 a powerful thing that is. And the thing about it is, Mike, they're they're Tulsans. They're they're our community. They're right. part of our community. They right. live here. Right. Okay. Our fellow citizens. They're our fellow citizens, and we should and we should help them. Right. Any um, way we can. And but by the grace of God, there go I. Absolutely. Right. Uh, Mac, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the Mental Health Download and to have you on the podcast. And um, I am such a, a fan of yours. You're one of my heroes in life and um, just admire all that you've done and will do. And uh, thank you so much, Mac, for being on the podcast today. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate you.
Okay, I don't think I overpromised when I said that that interview was going to be amazing. I hope you really enjoyed it. And if you want to learn more about the Adopt a Home program, go to our website at mhaok.org forward slash adopt a home. And if you want to learn more about the Tulsa Day Center, visit tulsadaycenter.org. Okay, go do good things.